You're listening to a podcast from City Tribe Media. We're an urban tribe that helps people who feel far from God to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. For more fresh content, check City Tribe on YouTube, Instagram, or Facebook. Enjoy the message and welcome to the tribe. City Tribe, happy Sunday. Welcome back to another week of Better Recognize. We are in week 12 of this series and all series long, we have been as a tribe choosing to become more familiar with Jesus' personality, his preferences, and his perspective. And our hope is by doing this that we would not only get to know God, but we would get to know him more intimately. And so just a quick recap, I want you guys to want to spend your presumptions about Jesus. Maybe if you're watching for the first time, right, anything that you've heard about Jesus, I want you to set it off to the side with the hopes that maybe God will reveal something new to you. I want you to listen to and learn what he has to say as we go verse by verse through the eyewitness account of the gospel of John. And then also I want us to together spend significant time in his presence. Of course, this doing this today as a tribe um, will help us learn how to do that just a little bit more. But uh, before we begin, let's go ahead, uh, let's, let's uh, tag some friends, let's share this video uh, because it could encourage somebody today and why in the world would we ever rob anybody of an opportunity to be encouraged. And so while you share, while you tag, let me pray for you guys and then we'll get started. And so Lord, thank you so much for today, God. Thank you for the opportunity to come together as a tribe to uh, learn about you, to get to know you better. And God, right now, I just pray for open ears, open minds, open hearts for the words that you have to say today. Jesus, thank you, thank you, thank you for another day where we get to live out our purpose. We love you, we thank you, and we praise you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Hey, if you're excited to be here this morning, go ahead and light up the comments. Give me some fire emojis. Uh, give me some high fives. Anything to just kind of get us pumped up for today because God is going to teach us something. I believe that, um, especially if you're coming at it with this open mind. And so, just a reminder, last week, uh, Pastor Doug was with us. If you love Pastor Doug, again, light up the comments because he did amazing. Um, I know that I was just in my living room just crying a whole bunch because of how much, you know, he helped me overcome a lot of fear in my own personal life. And um, if you remember, he gave us a big idea, and it was for courage among the kingdoms of fear, keep God's kingdom clear. And while he was teaching this, he gave, us these, uh, he gave us some truths about us when it came to the fear of our lives. And, and those were that God has not given us the spirit of fear, that we have power, love, and discipline, that we, no longer, um, that we are no longer victims but conquerors, that we are filled with faith, not fear, and that we are no longer slaves to fear. And so if you receive that in your life, let us know because it is so true about you guys today. And, you know, today I want to continue this conversation about facing the fear in our own lives. Um, I want to talk about facing the fear of our own lives. So with the big idea for courage among the kingdom of fear keep God's kingdom clear, I want to also submit this idea to you, um, and it is simply this. Courage in fear is recognizing that God is near. So courage in fear is recognizing that God is near, and I'm going to you know, explain that just a little bit better here in a second. But, you know, as 
Doug taught us in chapters 18 and 19 of the Gospel of John, we, uh, of course, discussed the crucifixion together as a tribe, and we learned some pretty incredible details about this really, really historic, monumental event. And, and we know that it's through the crucifixion that, um, and through the sacrifice of Jesus that we have been equipped with the tools to be able to overcome the kingdom of fear. And I, you know, I know that I'm super grateful for that. Um, and I want you guys to be very grateful for that as well. But, you know, one thing that I know, and one thing I thought about as I was, you know, reading through the, the crucifixion as, as we were studying through it together is that, you know, truthfully, the crucifixion hits a little bit different for us than it did for the people in this time for a couple of reasons. Um, one, this event happened over 2,000 years ago, right? And so for us, we're, we're 2,000 years removed Naturally, as we hear the, 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 you know, the details and as we discuss about the crucifixion, for a lot of us, we've, we've known about the crucifixion our entire life. We have studied it maybe in school, maybe we grew up in church with our families, and, we, and we've you know, heard about this for a long time. For, for others of us, the crucifixion is just kind of a weird thing, um, and you're on board with most of the things that, that God does, but it's kind of weird that you know, somebody had to die in order for us to be able to live um, a, a better life. And so, you know, I understand if there's kind of, you know, something kind of like weird um, about that, but um, we do know this and, and we can all relate to this feeling, whether you believe in Jesus or not, we can all relate with the feeling of losing a loved one that is close to us. And for the people in this time, for, you know, 12 people in particular, you know, there was this sense of great loss when it came to the death of their friend, Jesus. And so now as we pick up in John chapter 20, I want us to have in mind um, this thought. And, and the thought is, you know, can you remember a time when you lost somebody that was near and dear to your heart? Somebody that was close to you? Uh, because we are now picking up, you know, the story as we uh, you know, are, are, you know, kind of focusing in on the fact that Jesus has now been dead for a couple of days now. Uh, we're coming in on, on Sunday morning. And um, again, we all know the feeling of the day or two days after we lose that loved one, the, that feeling of sadness, of deep remorse, the feeling of, did that actually happen? Did we actually just see that? Are we really living in a world where this person is not here anymore? We can all relate to that feeling. And, you know, right now the disciples are feeling this exact feeling. And on top of that, they're experiencing fear. And we're going to talk about what kind of fear they're talking, what they're experiencing here in a second. And so you can read with me with that fresh feeling in mind. Um, you can read with me in, in John chapter 20, where uh, John writes here, he says, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, which is John, the one Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. And so Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Now, every day for the last you know, 2,000 plus years, Christians have gathered and they've gathered primarily and principally because of 
John chapter 20, verse 1. Right? It was on the first day of the week that Jesus Christ, uh, Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And it's because of the resurrection that we now, you know, that Christians of, of the early age and us now meet together on Sunday, the first day of the week, to celebrate and commemorate this historic event. Um, because we are celebrating that death has been defeated by life and that life is Jesus Christ. And so um, I first want us to kind of get us into this spot, into this heart right now, because to you and I, you know, again, like I said, a lot of us, we've grown up hearing about the resurrection and knowing about the resurrection. And, um, and we, we hear it so much and we hear like Jesus died and he rose again and, and we hear it. And honestly, like sometimes it can kind of desensitize us to how magnificent and how historic and how shocking this event really was. Um, because, you know, for you and I, we can just say, oh, yeah, like Jesus rose from the dead. Like, sure, like it happens every day. But in this time, they're mourning. They are devastated. Their best friend just died. And now the shocking, the shocking news is that Jesus is no longer in the tomb. The, the giant stone that was blocking the tomb has been rolled away and, and they don't know where Jesus is. And so in their mind, Jesus isn't, Jesus isn't you know, alive and resurrected. Jesus, his body, his corpse is just missing. And so panic and fear set in, especially for Mary Magdalene, which is why she takes off and she runs to uh, Peter and John uh, to get them. Now, um, how early did Mary Magdalene come? Because the, the Bible says that she, that for early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. How early was that? Well, uh, there's, a, there's a chance that she went on the last night watch um, that these Roman soldiers had. And this night watch um, was between the time of 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. Now, that's early. I mean, she went really early. Why did she go so early? My guess, she couldn't sleep. My guess is that she had just lost one of the closest people to her. She had lost the, the, the one person who made the biggest impact in her entire life. And she was just tossing and turning until eventually she said, you know what, I just have to get up and I need to go. And it's natural for us to lose a loved one and then to go to the gravesite, the cemetery where, where that loved one is buried um, because it, there's this natural, just emotional connection that we have there. It's the last point of contact that we had with uh, that person. And I don't know what her plan was when she got there. I don't know if she just wanted to sit by the tomb and just talk to her friend. I, you know, we don't really know, you know what, but you know, truthfully, like when, when there's love involved, it really doesn't ask questions. It just goes and it just does. And Mary Magdalene had a love for Jesus that was greater than, than you know, most of us can imagine. Because like I said, you know, Mary had, had this encounter with Jesus years before where Jesus did something for her that no man could do. And, and no man, even though they tried to do um, what made it possible. And, and, and what he did was that he forgave her. And that all the sin in her life, the sin that was so great, so big that it, you know, that it allowed seven demons to, to possess her body, Jesus removed it. Jesus removed it by, by a simple conversation. And, um, and so, of course, naturally, Mary's going to have this love for Jesus that is so great and so strong that she would say, I don't care how early it is. 
she would say, I don't care if there's a stone there, I'm going to go to the tomb because it's where Jesus was put and it's where I'm going to go. Mary is afraid, she's freaking out because Jesus is missing. His corpse is no longer there. And so she runs to the only people that she knows and she gets them and she says, hey, Jesus is missing, you got to come see. And so verse four says this, both were running being uh, Peter and John, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and saw the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. The disciples went back to where they were staying. And so it's Resurrection Sunday. Jesus, we know, has risen from the dead. John um, reveals to us there are three people who saw something this day, this Resurrection Sunday. Okay, Mary Magdalene, who sees that Jesus is missing and she reports something. She reports something that is wrong. She reports that Jesus had been taken, that he was, that the grave had been robbed. And so um, she, she reports something that actually didn't really happen. You have Simon Peter who looks inside the tomb and he is perplexed. He is confused as to what he sees. And then you have John was described in, in uh, this chapter as the disciple that Jesus loved. And he'll see something, but he'll see something different. He'll see something that will change him and his life forever. And as they are, as, as they are observing the tomb, as they're looking at the tomb, you know, we read this, that there's, there's a word, an English word that is in this uh, piece of scripture three times. And that word is saw. That word is saw. Um, in verse uh, six, it says Simon Peter came along. Or at verse five, um, it says that uh, he bent over and saw the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. That's John. John bent over. He saw the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Okay, that word saw um, translate to the word biepo which is a Greek word that simply, see, uh, simply says that John noticed. He took notice of what was inside the tomb. All right, verse 6, it says that Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. Now that word translates to the word theepo. And that is really where we get the word theater from. And what this word directly translates to is that, uh, is that you are studying it closely. You are studying it, studying it with intent. You know, it's as if you are sitting in a theater and you're watching a play and you're just fixed on it. You don't necessarily exactly know how all of it's unfolding. All, you are, all you're doing is just you are just studying it and you are focusing it with the hope that you would be able to understand what is going on eventually. And then the last time that we see this word saw, 
um, is in verse 8, where uh, it says, where the Bible says this, finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and he believed. He saw and he believed. And that word translated to horeo, which is to see with comprehension or to understand what you are seeing. And John understood in that moment what Jesus had just done. And what is it that John saw that made him believe the fact that Jesus had rose from the grave? Well, it's, it's like this. When, G, when, when, when the Jewish people, when they would pass away, when they would die, they would uh, bury the, uh, the Jewish people with strips of cloth, and they would use this gooey substance of, made out of aloe and spices, and they would wrap each limb around with the strips of cloth and this gooey substance. Eventually, they would wrap the whole um, body um, with, these, uh, with these strips, and it would harden around the body like a cocoon. And so as they would, um, as they would you know, do this, they would, of course, wrap the face separately with a uh, special cloth, and as John is looking, as John is looking at this scene, as he steps in and he, and he looks and he sees with comprehension, he notices that the linen is still in its place, that the cloth is separate and, and it's folded up separate from the linen. And, you know, we know and John knows that if anything were to happen, if, you know, maybe Jesus, like, you know, woke up and, 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 you know, he would have ripped up, you know, his cloths to, to try to escape. If he was uh, stolen, that the cloth would have been taken with the body. They wouldn't have taken Jesus out of the cloth first. But because this cocoon was still in the same exact place, because there were no rips in it, because the, you know, if you and I were trying to break out of this, the, the tomb would be a mess. But because everything was in right order, John connected in his mind that the only possible explanation is that Jesus had risen from the dead. Um, the Bible also says that, that they also see the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head and the cloth was still lying in its place separate from the linen. And the Jewish custom in this time, and this is really cool, I was really excited to discover this. The Jewish custom of this time was that when you would go visit a person's house, if you were treated favorably, if they treated you really nicely, they, they, they gave you all the works and they washed your feet, they did all the good stuff, um, that the guest, you as the guest, would, you would take the cloth or the napkin and you would crumple it up and you'd throw it on your plate as a sign that, hey, you treated me really well and I appreciate what you did here. But if you were treated, if you were treated wrong or if you were treated without favor, um, you would politely fold up the napkin. You would place it on your plate and it would be as if you're politely saying, I'm never coming back here again. And that's harsh, right? But Jesus politely folded up his cloth and he placed it there as a, as a representation that I am never coming back to this spot again. I am not coming back to the grave again. I have risen, I am alive, and I am not 
coming back here. And you're, if you're grateful for the fact that we have a God who is showing to us that he is alive, that he is not dead, that he is living, and that because he is living, then we also have new life, then go ahead and just light up the comments real quick. You know, just put a thank you, Jesus, in there. Light up, give me some fire emojis because we are so blessed to have a God who with so much care and intent would choose to show us in this way that he is not going back to the grave and neither are we. And so um, I want to encourage you with that. But, you know, now we have, you know, these two disciples who see what's going on. We have one who understands what has happened. Um, yet we still have Mary Magdalene who is still freaking out and who is still perplexed by what she had just seen. And so um, verse 11 says this. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying as she wept she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white in other accounts of this event um, it, it describes the angels as looking like two men uh, but truthfully they're just heavenly messengers and so um, they were seated where Jesus's body had been one at the head and the other at the foot and they asked her woman why are you crying now this is a weird question to ask a woman Right. Imagine if you went to imagine if you went to a cemetery and there was a woman crying next to a grave and you walked up to her and you're like, hey, why are you crying? Like, what do you got to cry about? Right. It's a weird question to ask. But Mary responds in this way. She says, they have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize it was Jesus. Jesus asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you are looking for? And thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will go and get him. She says, tell me where you have put him and I'm going to go get him. I'll take him away with me. Now, I don't really know how much Jesus weighed. But I do know that they buried him with, with, you know, something around 100 pounds of aloe and spices and cloth. And, um, you know, so to combine that with his body weight, let's give a, a generous guesstimation that he's, what, 250 or more. Right. And so even if Mary was like the strongest woman in the world, even if she was like the, the German lady from Dodgeball and she was that big and strong, you know, like. Where was she going to take it? Where was she going to take this body? Because again, remember, she's not looking for a resurrected Jesus. She's looking for a dead corpse. She's looking for a body. Obviously, she's flustered. She's not thinking through the details of this, obviously. But again, love doesn't care about details. Love just does and love just goes. Love just shows up and wants to do something about it. And so what is Mary looking for? Again, she's looking for a corpse. She's looking for a body, but she doesn't recognize Jesus standing right in front of her. Why? Well, one, it's early. You know, it's still dark. You know, and, uh, she probably has tears in her eyes, so it's clouding up her vision because she was just crying. You know, two, maybe because Jesus is resurrected and a resurrected body maybe has different features than, uh, or maybe more enhanced features, though, maybe some similarities. You know, and three, Possibly, Jesus just didn't reveal himself to her. Maybe possibly she was supernaturally restrained from seeing Jesus. But look at how Jesus reveals himself to her. And I don't want you to miss this. Look at how Jesus reveals himself to her. He, he says this in verse 16. 
Jesus said to her, Mary. One word, Mary. And look at her response. She turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means my teacher, my teacher. She recognized his voice. One word, one word Jesus used to change her mood from sorrow, grief, sadness to joy. Mary. It was her name spoken by Jesus. And I know because of the love that she had for Jesus, that there's a good chance that Jesus said her name in a very special tone. Jesus said her name in a way that she would recognize, that she would be familiar with, that she would feel loved with. Mary, she turned her head around and she said, my teacher, my teacher. I mean, so how does he reveal himself to her? How does Jesus reveal himself to Mary, not visually, but vocally, by speaking his word over her. You know, the Bible tells us in Romans that faith comes by hearing, by hearing the word of God. And it was the word of God that revealed himself to her. You know, and in that moment, she went from fearful to joy because courage and fear is recognizing that he's near. Can you relate to this? I mean, have you been in a spot before where you are sitting next to a situation that you believe is dead? A situation that you believe there's no hope for, that there is no courage for, that there is no overcoming. A situation where you believe and you think to yourself, Jesus, where are you? God, why is my life so hard? Why do I find myself in this situation right now? I mean, have you sat there and thought to yourself, God, where are you? Well, there's a good chance as you. Well, there's a 100% chance that if you are a believer in Christ, that he is right in front of you. That is a chance that you don't see him because you haven't stopped to listen for his voice. And there's a chance right now that maybe God is calling out to you right now. He's saying your name in a very unique way that only God can. But you are so distracted by the storm and the, the trial and the hardship and all the things that are going on in your life where at some point you just have to stop. And instead of blaming God for not being there, you have to stop. And you have to look for God and look for his voice. You know, because I want to encourage you that if you look for him in the darkest time of your trial, if you look for him in the hardest part of your storm, that he'll reveal to you not only his voice, but he'll also reveal to you the blessing that is the season that you're going through. I'm a big believer in this. I mean, I have, I have, uh, I have tons and tons of moments in my life where I have chosen to stop and look for the blessing that God is trying to reveal to me, even in the hardest time. I remember there was one moment in particular, it was 2012, it was February, and my, my cousin passed away in this tragic accident, tragic car accident, and it, and it shocked the entire family. You know, I'm, I'm all too familiar with the feeling of losing a loved one too soon. And, you know, when, as my cousin passed away and, and we drove from Austin to San Antonio to be with our family, you know, one of, one of the things that, 
you know, I, I always laugh at and, and, and chuckle at when it comes to being a part of a Hispanic family is, is the fact that when, when big life events happen and, you know, you see all these people that you've never seen before and then your family starts introducing you and says, like, oh, this is your cousin. Or like, this is my cousin. What are, you, what are you talking about? Like, this person's like 25. Like, I've never met this person in my entire life, right? And, and, and I know you guys relate to that. Um, but we're, we're, we're here now and, you know, we're, we're devastated. We're sad. My, my cousin had, you know, again, just passed away. Um, and we all decide to go and eat afterwards at his favorite restaurant. Um, you know, all, all too familiar, right? We, we, we go to a place that we have fond memories about, that we, that we have, and, and instead, of, instead of choosing to focus on, you know, God, why did you take my cousin away? God, why did you, why did you let this happen? Which are, are questions, no doubt, and questions that even to, to this day, I, I ask those questions. But in that moment, you know, we chose together as a family to look for a blessing in that. And that blessing was the fact that we had this whole section of our family that we didn't even know existed. We didn't even know existed. And that section of the family grew up believing that my side of the family was the worst, that we were not to be trusted, that they, they were, you know, through just generations of just lies that they, you know, have grown up to believe that we were not to be a trusted bunch, but we ended up going all to this restaurant and we shared a meal together and God used a moment that was tragic, that was sad and that to, to, to this day, every year in February, I'm sad and I'm bummed out and I miss my cousin, but he used it to restore a section of my family that had been broken for a very long time. And though I lost one cousin, I gained so many more and I, have, and I, and I, I now you know, have this family that is just the most incredible family, you know, that I could have ever dreamt of. My brother has a best friend in my cousin, Adam, and, and it is just amazing to watch. But see, God used this moment, this dark moment in our family for his good. But we would have missed it if we didn't stop and look for it. And so right now, I just want to encourage you that though your situation might be fearful, though you might be lacking courage, that courage in fear is recognizing, is simply recognizing that God is near and he is. And so I want to encourage you with that. I mean, look at the courage of Mary now that she recognizes that God is near in verse 17. Jesus said, do not Hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go instead to my brothers and tell him, or tell them that I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene, this is her courage, went to the disciples with the news. They did not see Jesus yet, but she went anyways because of the courage she had even in the midst of the fear she may have been experiencing. She went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord, and she told them that he said these things to her. And so when Jesus tells Mary, hey, don't cling on to me, basically what he's saying is, hey, don't fasten yourself to me because I still have stuff to do. I'm gonna be here for like 40 days. You and the disciples have stuff to do. I need you to go. And he commissioned her to go and spread the news that he had revealed himself to her. And can you imagine the hug that Mary gave 
to her friend Jesus, her teacher Jesus. I mean, she probably launched to him. She probably gave him this death grip. She, she gave him one of those hugs that, that you give somebody that, that you haven't seen forever, those hugs that, that, that military spouses give each other when they hadn't seen each other in, you know, in months. I mean, she gave him a death grip of a hug and she didn't want to let go. But Jesus is saying, hey, don't be selfish. Go and tell people that I am here. And for you right now, for you that, that knows Jesus, that, that walked with Jesus, that knows all his teachings and knows all his words, but you're not sharing it with anybody, Jesus is saying the same thing to you. Hey, don't hoard me. Don't keep me to yourself, but go and tell somebody about me. This is your opportunity. This is your commission, just like the one he gave to Mary. Courage and fear is recognizing that he's near and Jesus was near and he is making it very, very obvious to them. And so now verse 19, on the evening of the first day of the week, again, this has been a long day. We've gone from like 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. to now we are in the evening and the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. So you have the disciples. They're devastated. They're sad. Their friend has just died. They're locked in this room and they are afraid because they fear that they're next. They fear that because Jesus had been killed, that they were next. And then Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. They went from sad, afraid, fearful to overjoyed when they saw the Lord because courage in fear is recognizing that he is near and they had recognized Jesus is near right now. And again, Jesus said, peace be with you as the father has sent me, I am sending you. And what Jesus has now revealed to his disciples and when he is revealing to you and I that as God has sent Jesus, we are now being sent by Jesus. Essentially what he's saying is, hey, you guys, though I'm going to ascend soon, though I'm going to be going away, you are going to take the place of my body. You and I, we're considered the body of Christ, are we not? We are considered the body of Christ. We are taking the place of God's, of Jesus's body. We are to bring the peace of God wherever we go. And then we are, are here to remind people that as they receive Jesus into their life, then they too will also have the peace of God. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Jesus, Jesus never tells the world to go to church. And I know this is kind of weird because we're in this time right now where we so badly want to be in the cameo and we want to be together and we want to be in this church. And you know what? It is a wonderful place for us as believers to come together and to celebrate and to, and to, you know, and to be in community. And it's amazing. And yes, like there's nothing wrong with being at church together. But Jesus, he never tells the world to go to church, but he tells the church to go to the world. And right now is the golden best opportunity for us to do that ever in our lifetime. And truthfully, we may never, ever get an opportunity like this again. And so why not take advantage of it? And so instead of being bummed out that we haven't opened up the church, and instead of messaging us, telling us, when are you going to open the church? Instead, use this opportunity to take on the challenge that Jesus has given you to go and spread the good news that Jesus is alive. 
and that Jesus is, is living amongst us right now and that he is near and that any moment of fear that we have, we can experience courage instead. And with that, verse 22, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. And if you do not forgive, they are not forgiven. And verse 24 says this, Tom, now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the 12 was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciple told him, uh, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, being, uh, being Thomas, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. So basically Thomas is saying, hey, there's nothing that you can tell me right now that's going to make me believe that Jesus is actually back, that Jesus actually came back. Verse 26 says this, a week later, his disciples were in the house again. So, I mean, they were in this house with Thomas for a week, hearing him complain and hearing him doubt the fact that Jesus had come back. And, um, and Thomas this time was with them. Though the doors were locked, once again, the doors are locked. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, I mean, that, that would freak me out. I don't know about you. But then he turned to Thomas. And he was like, you. And he said, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Stop doubting and believe. The moment, the moment that Thomas realized that courage and fear was recognizing that Jesus was near, look at how far, look at the complete 180 that Thomas you know, went the moment he realized this. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God, my Lord and my God, that is, I am now looking at my Lord and my God. A week before, Thomas wasn't in the room, so he missed out. He missed out on the joy that the others experienced. And don't you think the disciples, when Jesus came back the first time, thought, man, you know what? I wish Thomas was here. Man, I wish Thomas could, could experience this. I mean, that's why they went and told him. But here's the thing. When you're not connected to the community of God, when you're not connected to a tribe, you miss out on a lot. I mean, you miss out on so much, which is why we are told to commit to fellowshipping with one another as we see the day approaching. Sometimes our schedules don't mesh up. We know that. Sometimes we can think of every excuse ever to not be a part of a tribe, like I'm too busy. My kids have too much going on. Uh, my, my spouse has this going on. Um, the, you know, the, well, I mean, the Spurs are not in the playoffs, so you can't use that as an excuse. But, you know, we have so many reasons. I mean, I say this a lot to, to my students, that excuses are like belly buttons. Everybody has one. We can all have an excuse for not being a part of a tribe, but we have to make a decision that being a part of a tribe, it is in my best interest to be a part of this because it is important because I don't want to miss out on the awesome things that God is doing with the tribe that he has placed me in. 
And I fear that a lot of us right now, we're believers. We believe in Jesus. We believe he rose from the dead. And, we, and we, we're vibing with all this. But in the moment I start talking about this, you're just like, man, I don't know. But the thing is, I'm, I'm tired of us, you know, of that, I'm tired of the fact that there are people at our church right now and in, in our tribe that are, that are walking around this earth not belonging to a tribe. And so I want to encourage you to not just be a believer, but be a belonger as well. Because Thomas missed out on one of the most incredible things, the most incredible thing, and he lived with more and more doubt for a week longer than everybody else. And in the same way, there's a chance that God may reveal himself in a very unique way to your tribe, and you're going to miss out, and then you're going to doubt. And so why in the world would you allow yourself to be in a position like that? Verse 29, then Jesus told him, talking to Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed, and blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And so the crucifixion hits a little bit different for us. The resurrection hits a little bit different for us because we're so removed from it. But I mean, imagine the shock value. That is, Jesus is back and he is alive in front of them. And it is crazy because the one they thought was dead is now alive. You know, one of the coolest things is that even today, to this day, Jesus is revealing himself to us that he is alive, that he is moving, that he is working, that he is still doing miracles. And today, you know, we, we get to see a visual representation of the belief that that is absolutely true. Because today is a very special Sunday. It is Baptism Sunday. You know, we obviously can't meet together to, to baptize in person. And, and though that's unfortunate, we have some people who say, you know what? I don't want to wait. I'm tired of waiting to, to get baptized. I'm tired of waiting because I, I can't wait any longer. I want to do it now. I want to tell people now that I have decided to believe. I have decided to receive the blessing that Jesus has for me for believing, even though I didn't exactly see the crucifixion, even though I didn't exactly see the resurrection. But I know that in my heart, because what has been revealed to me is that Jesus is alive. And so together, guys, let's enjoy this moment right now as we witness as we witness that we have tribe members, that we have people, a part of our tribe that have made the decision and they have declared that, that they believe in who Jesus was, that through Jesus um, and through the, uh, the death and resurrection that they too have life in him. Check this video out. Christ died on the cross for me.
in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus, I accept you. Man, so first, I want to say congratulations to every single person that decided to get baptized. In fact, as a tribe, let's go ahead and just, just congratulate every single person um, that chose to take the brave step to, to declare that I have believed in Jesus. I believe that he died for my sins and I am not turning back. And so, guys, congratulations. We're so proud of you. And, you know, one of the most amazing things, one of the most amazing things about this is that because you have received Jesus into your life, then you also receive every single thing that God says about you, that you are fearfully and wonderfully made, that you are a masterpiece, that he has a perfect plan for you, a plan to prosper you and not to harm you. I mean, these are truths that we can take with us and we can face every moment of fear. We can face every moment of of, of discouragement, every moment of anxiety, every moment of depression, and we can face it head on and say, hey, I'm going to take courage in this fear because I recognize that he is near always because, because of his Holy Spirit that is living within me, then I have this helper that is going to help me overcome and conquer everything. And in verse 30, John writes this, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. And so together as a tribe, let's, let's sing together, let's worship together and celebrate the fact that we have life in his name by singing over us who Jesus declares that we are.
Let's, uh, let's pray together, guys. Let's, let's pray together, every head bowed, every eyes closed. Um, if you have been watching today and there has been just this calling on your heart, this feeling that you're just like, man, I want to know who that God is. I want to know who Jesus is. I want to choose to believe that Jesus loved me enough to die for me on a cross, but then also to rise again three days later so that I too can overcome death, so I too can face any fear, any trial, any hardship and overcome it. You know, these words were written so that you may believe and so that you may have life in Jesus. And so if you are somebody right now who's ready to receive that and ready to step into that relationship, it's as simple as believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who was born of the Virgin Mary, who lived the perfect life, who died a tragic death on a cross as a sacrifice for you and for me, and who rose again three days later and is now living and sitting on the right hand of his Father in heaven. And by us believing that and receiving that, that we too have the same life that Jesus did. You know, it's as simple as believing that that is to be true. And so um, let's pray together. And if that's you, you can pray something similar to this. Like I said, these aren't magical words, but these are the, the words that, um, that you've already said in your heart, you're just saying out loud, and it's simply this. Jesus, I acknowledge that up until this point, my life has kept me from you. But today, I choose to decide to believe in who you are and to believe in what you have done for me. And so, Jesus, thank you so much for caring about me. Thank you so much for loving me and for giving me an opportunity to overcome anything that I face in my life. And for those of you right now who are living in this moment of fear, maybe it's a fear of, you know, losing your job. Maybe it's a fear of how you're going to pay your bills. Maybe it's a, whatever that fear may be. Um, I want to pray just a blessing over you and Lord, right now, as we pray together, God, I, I humbly submit all of my fears and, and we humbly as a tribe submit all of our fears that we have together. God, we acknowledge that because you are near that we can have courage and fear and right now we choose to receive your peace. We receive to... we. we, we uh, pray to receive your blessing. And we choose to step into the promise that because we have decided to believe in you, that we also have life in you as well. Life that overcomes and conquers every single moment of death in our life. And so, Lord, thank you so much for that. Lord, thank you for who you are. Thank you for loving us so well. God, we love you. We thank you. We praise you, and it's your name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Well, guys, um, as, we, as we close out today, I want to remind you of uh, a few things. Um, one, I, I want to remind you guys that we practice here at City Tribe the three S's, and that is uh, share. So we want to encourage you to share this message. 
um, with somebody, whether you text it to them, whether you share it to your Facebook or your Instagram, wherever it is that you share things, I want to encourage you to share um, this message with somebody. To subscribe to City Tribe Media on YouTube, uh, be alerted every time we post some new content, because again, you know, if you need midweek encouragement, go back to this, rewatch some things, be encouraged by it. And then um, third, we want to encourage you to sow. We want you to sow a seed into the kingdom of God. I mean, Jesus is constantly inviting us to trust in him. You know, and for the most part, we do a really good job of that. But there's always something that holds us back. And typically it's our finances and Jesus saying, hey, man, I want all of you. I don't want just some of you. And I want to encourage you to practice what we practice here at City Tribe, which is um, the first fruit tithe to the local storehouse. It is the first, um, the first thing, the first place that your money goes to is the, is the first 10% um, to the local storehouse, which is your church. Now, if you don't regularly attend City Tribe and you attend somewhere else, I want to encourage you to practice it there um, because we just want to see you be blessed. We want to see you um, receive the blessing that is attached to your, uh, to your commitment to generosity. And um, so there are, you know, there are some ways that we uh, tithe here. Of course, there is online at citytribe.church. You can click the giving uh, link there. Um, you, can do, uh, you can do mail-in. The address will be below me here. And then also you can text a tithe, which is my favorite thing to do, by texting um, the word tribe to 74483. So it's tribe space, the dollar amount to 74483. And so I want to encourage you with that. Um, thank you for your generosity. Thank you for sowing into the kingdom of God because without you, you know, city tribe isn't possible. I mean, it's really not. And so um, thank you for that. Uh, that being said, uh, let me just say a word of blessing over you guys as you start your week. Um, and so as, as you uh, log off today, as you, uh, can, you know, start your week, as you go through school and as you go through work, as you try to figure out this, this life right now, um, I just want to pray that every moment of fear that you face, um, I want you to be encouraged that no matter what, God is near. But... You have to look for him. And so guys, have an amazing Sunday. Look for God in every situation of your life because I promise you, he is there. I love you guys. Have a great Sunday. We're glad you were part of the tribe today. To further connect with us, check citytribe.church.